podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey, and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Southampton 1, Liverpool 2 in the Premier League from St Mary's are Carl Matchett and Jim Boardman. Carl, I was just saying to Jim before the mics went live there, uh, this crowd are just absolutely on another level than anything that I have ever seen um, on, in, in quite a few ways. But the main thing is a shadow 11 went out tonight. Let's make no bones about that. A shadow 11 went out and a shadow 11 was playing Southampton, who still had, unless someone was getting the sums wrong in the thing I was listening to, an outside chance of relegation. Um, oh, we play them off the park. Um their Champions League final, according to single white female or pound shop club. I'm not sure which I prefer best <laughs> for Ralph Hasenhudel. But the, the, the drive, the will of these guys, Jimmy Miller going doing bits everywhere, all of them putting in a, a, a stint, Taki Minamino scoring goals, his ratios off the charts. Um, you know, it, it's, 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 it's incredibly exciting. It's exhilarating. But the best thing about it, Carl, is it just feels really, really good. It just feels really, really good for a group of fans who've had so many years where things were really shit and you couldn't have anything other than angst from week to week. And the whole next year will be our year thing was a kind of a, a running joke almost. Every year is our year now. These guys are the best squad, and I'll say it again, Carl, I've ever seen. Yeah, no question about that. And I think even this year, I think we're we're level, a considerable level up on where we were beforehand, to be honest. I mean, Liverpool have been one of the best teams in England and in Europe for the last few years. But I think this year we're, I think probably obviously to do with the squad depth and one or two key additions who just looked like they could be first 11 players. That's a big difference from previous years, you know, where we already had a decent side, but it was really hard for us to get an extra first 11 player rather than needing to boost the squad depth in let's say three different positions for you know a similar sort of overall price tag or something like that and what they've done now what they've built what they've put together the coach and staff you see people come in today and we'll get into it in the match but he just said these players are not always involved and yet by the patterns of play by the way we played the game by the way the the areas that we've received the ball in how we moved it it looked like it could just be the normal first 11 maybe the quality is a little lower in some places but i'm talking about the the team performance the the repetitions and the positions that we take up everything about it was just spot on and you're right it's it's a lot of fun it's it's something to look forward to every single week isn't it i mean we've been through spells of matches where 
you know if you lose or you're not playing very well and you get a few of them in a row it's kind of like well we want the next game because we want to get back to winning ways but at the same time you know there's not really any magic wand to be waved and it's just a grind to get through you know the last days of Roy Hodge uh, sorry of Brendan Rodgers or any day at all of Roy Hodgson or you know it was ongoing for quite a while but at the minute it's just everything is flying everything feels like it will come off for one reason or another when you look at the statistics overall, just to, to, to tease this out one more little bit with you, Carl, when you look at the statistics overall on the night, um, thoroughly outplayed um, the opposition, 724 passes played to their 286, 72% of the ball at their place. Like I said, when they have something at stake in their inverted commas Champions League final, we had 24 attempts. Uh, to their four. I think they had one in the first half, which was that deflected effort that should never have been hit in the first place because it fell to a place right under the nose of Martin Atkinson. And you factor all those things in um, and you consider who was on the park. Um, Harvey Elliott, Taki Minamino, lads like that who haven't played for a long time and they come in and they blend in seamlessly. And yeah, you're right, there is a drop off in terms of the massive intensity, but the way that the, 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 the game is played on the park is a, a real credit and I, I, I'm glad you, you mentioned that because I want to just take a second to, to echo and go back to that point with you. It is a real credit to the whole system that Jurgen Klopp's got, got going on at the club. We can love the players and we rightly should do and they rightly should take the focus of all our attention. But there's a system now at the club and you can see how involved Pep Linders is. There's no two ways about it. He's an absolutely vital part of it. We know Kravietz is massively important. We know the dietitians are important. Everybody, good goalkeeping coaches, the physios, everybody has a role to play. The analysts get great credit. Uh, Kornmeyer and the boys get great credit. Um, the whole system seems to be set up in a way that, you know, we used to hear about this back in the day, Carl. Um, and it's great talking to all the old Liverpool players because it was a lot more haphazard perhaps than we were told but it was all about routine that that much was true it was about regularity and reproducing good stuff on a daily basis so loads and loads of games loads and loads of actual play and loads and loads of yeah, opportunities for good footballers to practice doing good football now i know that's simplistic carl but whatever the modern version of it is we seem to have it uh, going on in spades at the moment yeah, and look, that's that's absolutely right down to the coach and staff and how much work must be going in there, also to the players themselves and the you know uh, willingness to take on board what they have to do and then to go out and do it game after game after game. The consistency that we see from this team is just off the charts. It's it's very very difficult to comprehend while you're in the middle of watching the season and obviously while we're trying to make every single game count for something, it's hard to take in the entirety of what we've done and the numbers. You know, when we look back at this in the post-Klopp time, which is thankfully now postponed for an extra couple of years, we will know and we will see and we will realise just how ludicrous this all is. Because it's just, it's not, it's never been done before. Simple as that. There are two teams doing it right now and that is ridiculously impressive. But from a Liverpool perspective, this is already the best. Jim, you know, to take it to the last game, and it's not, you know, I, I, I don't know if I actually saw you this particular weekend, but not that long ago under Brennan, we took it to the last weekend. But it was, you know, City were our favourites and we had to 
hope that the result would go our way and that ours would go the right way and all the rest of it. it that wasn't to be that day and a few other seasons have gone right to the wire as well and we've seen incredibly t- incredible battles between Manchester City and Liverpool and it's on a different level to anything that the Premier League has ever produced before. I think that sticks in the craw of a lot of um, the bigger name clubs and their supporters. I think it really does. I think it, it, it some of them feel as if it demeans somehow what they've done in the past, um, that there's something about it that belittles that. Um, maybe there is, uh, because the consistency of these two teams is ridiculous. Of course, all the while we have to understand and I'm not saying that we're operating in some sort of pauper environment. That would be absolutely imbecilic to say. We have tremendous advantages. We have a, 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 an entity that can churn out money and we have owners who have invested money into the club, no matter what the, the those who would like more will say. So we have to accept that that is our lot, but also the amount of uh, investment that goes into the rivals Manchester City is just so far and ahead away from everybody else that it really does, I think, do great credit to the club to show to show up again on the last day of the season and begin with a fighting chance of winning it if things were to go our way. How important was it for you? Because I know I'll, I'll be honest with you, Jim. In the last couple of minutes when we were inviting them on, I I think every expletive that I've ever 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 learned came out of me. I was fucking furious, Jim, and it I realised it meant a lot to me, man. It may, it means a lot to me to get to this last game of the season and to have this opportunity to win the four things because these boys deserve and I really want it for them and I want it for us and I want to be able to say we went toe to toe with you. Were you feeling that pressure or was there a little bit more of a, 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 a pragmatic sense in your mind where it's like, look, it's an outstanding season regardless? Yeah, I mean, I still I still feel that way. I, st- I still feel personally that it, if that's if that's the, the, the sum total of our silverware for this year is both domestic cups, then, you know, I would not be disappointed. I would obviously be disappointed in the immediate aftermath if that was the case. But at this moment in time, I'm not feeling that's going to be the case, that our silverware call is complete for the season. I still think we've got more to come. Whether it's two or one piece, we'll wait and see. But as as, as we've just said, what happened tonight was we made sure that we've got a chance of making it two pieces silver, two more pieces of silverware right up until that last day. It's not totally in our hands. It's in the hands of another player. And some of the things you were just talking about then, like, I think one of you mentioned about the last days of the of Brendan Rodgers era and, uh, well, the, the sort of title winning, how it went down to that last day then and things like that. It's it's like, what about the last day of Brendan Rodgers' full season when we played a team who were red and white, we had to wear our away kits and we got beaten 6-1 away to Stoke. I mean, that that's, that's where we were a few months before Jurgen Klopp came in. And since then, the club's just been transformed and... I think tonight, yeah, towards the end, you start worrying, you think, what's going on? And that's because you've been conditioned over these past 10 years, if you like, prior to clock coming, that, that that's the kind of thing we'll do, that we'll sort of let it slip, we'll start to relax, we'll think it's won, and we'll just sort of, you know, we'll, we'll open the door. I mean, there was the, that was the most worried I'd been about Southampton all game, because that's how well we, we'd played, and maybe how much they were in their shells and, and frightened to come out to us. We, we found it hard to break them down, but, but we found a way. And, that, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it over the course of this show. But we, 
we we have done that. We found the ways to break down those sides that don't want to let us in. We we've done it time and time again. And I think something we've mentioned time and again is that time Klopp went in front of the cop and got all the players to salute after we'd drawn against West Brom and the way that was mocked. And I still think that was a massive turning point in Liverpool's fortunes because that that kind of signalled that we got it. We knew how to start getting these getting results from these games that in the past we'd struggled to get the result we wanted. And it feels petty now to think back to that game, but it, it was, it was a big moment. I remember being at the ground and the feeling that we'd, you know, we sort of overcome the bad side of football, good side of football beating bad side of football. And that's another thing about this club. I, I'm, we're biased, but even when I try and take off my rose-tinted glasses, I still think we do everything the right way. The money we've got, yes, we have lots of money, but it's not come from some dodgy donor that's made it out of oil that probably wasn't his or that's you know treating people like like animals that that, that live in the country that's that's got ridiculous human rights records or any of these other things that we can look at many other clubs and sort of point to them and say that about them this is our money that we've won that we've earned that we've that we've reached by being such a good club and being a club that so many people want to be behind so we're selling out the merchandise we're selling out the games we're selling out tickets Southampton had loads of empty seats tonight you know the last game of the season against potential potential title winners and they couldn't fill the ground and I think maybe we take it for granted but we've always pretty much filled our ground in recent times we never used to when we were winning things back in the 80s in recent times we've filled it even when we haven't been doing so well and that support that support back then is getting its rewards now with what we're seeing. Um, I mean, I could be here all night, but tonight, lads and dads basically went out there and did a job because they know exactly what the blueprint is. And yeah, there were times when maybe a couple of them struggled, but you know, even as the game went on, it was great to see Jones and Elliot really growing into the game and and remembering how good they can be. And you know, there's so much promise there. And you know, maybe a couple of swan songs we'll see. But yeah, it, whatever happens on Sunday tonight was just. It was just a great game to set us up for that. I love the idea of Jimbo Miller and Harvey Elliott um, as a dad and lad outing, <laughs> a really fancy dad and lad outing, uh, which resulted in a, another good result for us. And I'd like to apologise on the back of what Jim is saying there to the club um, for my uh, reluctance to cough up my shekels towards the budget because uh, in my town, the in my the big the big sports store that's in my town the liverpool kit's been half price for the last five weeks and i keep saying i can't fucking do it if the minute i buy that jersey it's all over (laughs) (laughs) i don't care how irrational that sounds uh someone will thank me the fa cups in the bag already people should be thanking me so i guarantee if 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 we get these next two over the line it'll probably triple in price and i'll buy it happily and that's (laughs) that's how that's how it'll go um we should get into the business of the show lads and um, Carl, like I'm just going to mention the Liverpool uh, team because there's no point. We could go on all night about it, but what's the point? Because it's so changed. Nine changes from the cup final. Alisson uh, remained. Uh, Joey Gomez came in. And by the way, I think I saw, unless I'm very much mistaken, and I might be, I think I saw some quotes from, um, yeah, Clapo and Joe Gomez. Joey says there's pain, but we all think he's probably all right. He's fine. We were lucky today. So that's just to put people's minds at rest if they haven't heard what's going on there. Um, and back to the, the Liverpool team briefly before I speak to you in detail about, about Southampton, which is what I'd like to do. 
We went with Gomez, Matip and Kanate, which is no mean pairing at the at the back. Uh, Joey Gomez is obviously a great lad to come in on the right. And Costa Simicus uh, is a fast creating his own legend on the left-hand side. That's a back five, including Allison, that you can't really uh, be too worried about. Uh, Curtis Jones, Jimmy Miller and Harvey Elliott, however, is a midfield that an awful lot of people would have had a lot of anxiety about. And Taki Minamino, Bobby Firmino and Diogo Jota is another forward line, which is certainly um, probably down the line. Um, You might have two there of the five, but the two least likely to be in the three, uh, if you understand my maths. So it's a a strange uh, looking lineup. Um, and we can talk about how they did on the bench for the Reds. We had Thiago, Keita, Henderson, Oxlade-Chamberlain. I wouldn't mind mentioning him later on because I was talking about him today on Twitter. Um, I'd love to know what's going on there. Luis Diaz was there. Andy Robbo was. Divock Origi, um, Nico, uh, uh, Williams as well, sorry, um, and uh, Kelleher. Now, we'll talk about the Reds as we go through the game. I think that's the way to do that. But let's have a quick look at Southampton because, like I said, ahead of the game, Carl, um, uh, old, old Wreck-It Ralph was talking this game up immensely, you know, and talking about how it was a massive, massive game for them, their Champions League final, as I said. He has uh, McCarthy in goal. Um, never quite 100% sure what to make of him. Interesting your take. Stevens, Lianco, who was very, very involved, uh, Salisu and Walker-Peters. They had War- Ward-Prowse, Diallo and Tella. I think the latter two came off. Uh, Redmond, uh, Broca and, oh God, I can't remember who the other person was and I should have her in then, I don't. Uh, on the bench, they have the likes of Oriel Romeo, who's um, been around a while now. Shane Long, who's been ar- around a while longer. Uh, Armstrong, Shea Adams is on there. Caballero, Stuart Armstrong, I think, who's played a bit uh, more than um, some people this season and done quite well. Gineppo, who we've spoken about before. Bednarek and Valeri. Um, in that 11, uh, were you surprised by any of the inclusions or exclusions? And will you try? Will you explain to me what it is that you think uh, Ralph Hasenhutl's side is trying to do? What What is it What is it that he's going with here in terms of just a tactical approach? Because I found it very hard to put my finger on. They did try to go down the sides a few times, but with the exception of the last couple of minutes, the only two things they really did was work at left and have two instances in which uh, Redmond cut in and shot. Once was a deflection that went past Ali, and once was a pretty chest-stinging effort straight at him. So, again, your thoughts on the selection, and give me your take on how it is that they operate so that people can try and understand what, what it was that Rob was trying to do tonight. Uh, I think Southampton are one of the sides in the league who play quite nice football, are quite aggressive when they're really, really on their game. But basically, they're not on their game very often. And they, I spoke about it with Guy and Scouted, obviously, and they go in spells. They have a bit of a run of form and they look like they could sort of push towards that top eight, maybe go for a European spot if they have a really good season. But they don't have the depth in midfield, especially. They don't really have a leading light in attack. I think Armando Broja has been pretty good this season, but young kids, maybe not the most consistent yet, obviously, and a revolving cast around him, to be honest. The the wide two players, they usually play a 4-4-2 or a 4-2-2. Um, 
good but without being really really good and they're all kind of the same level and the guys who play around Brogeau or instead of him you mentioned there before Armstrong and Adams for example again you, you kind of get the same out of them so it's not bad for their consistency in terms of they don't really drop it depending on who comes in or out but it's very difficult for them to raise the level the standard there overall as well and they've had a couple of runs this season where they just they're quite weak they're not massively uh, in your face I think tonight was a pretty good example of how they've been over the last couple of months to be honest I think that's one defeat sorry one win in 12 now for them in all competitions um you know they've fallen to the bottom of that mini league in the middle of the table really haven't they and it's kind of backs up the point like I said they don't have the squad depth to really really challenge for it they've got good squad depth in odd areas like in goal where they cannot decide who to play as the number one um McCarthy I think is is these days best summed up as okay I mean he's fine like he'll, he'll have good games and he'll have maybe some shots and moments where he shows that he's not quite at the elite level or even probably the level below that to be honest but they've rotated between him and Angus Gunn a couple of years ago and Fraser Forster back this year as well and it personally I think to to really push on and you know do something like what Crystal Palace have done this year for example they need to make quite firm decisions on a few positions they need someone extra in midfield uh, they need to decide who the first choice goalkeeper is tactics wise tonight was a little bit different because in and out of possession you saw them either with Salas who dropping into left back or going a little bit narrower and Redmond playing sort of from wing back as such in a, in a five and I don't really think that that made the best use of him or Walker Peters to be honest because then he had El Yanuzi ahead of Walker Peters who loves to drive into space we only saw probably I think in the first five minutes or so, they got down the outside of Matip once, just after Kanate's head injury. And that was the only time they really troubled us in that right channel where Ali had to make a bit of a save. So I don't think that the, the changes helped them in an attacking sense tonight, but they've been pretty poor uh, going forward over the last few weeks. Like I said, there's not really been that intensity to the game. They're not completely in your face and aggressive. They don't have the, the energy and the quality in the middle of the park and kind of just looks like they've been end of season sort of form for the last month or so. I, I think actually what uh, whoever was chatting earlier on and talking about them being dragged into something, obviously they're 40 points are safe. Um, but I think theoretically Everton could possibly go past them um, and leave them, you know, as you said, pretty much at the bottom of that group uh, or damn near the bottom of that group who are just north of relegation and that of course would be uh, <laughs> uh, you'd imagine seen as underachievement I suppose for for this club uh, again that's kind of where I was going with the question about like what is he trying to do I mean do you see squad building going on here do you see ambition to do better than uh, this current situation, which, you know, like we said, is just hovering just north of the relegation zone in a precarious enough place. Because uh, I'm struggling to see what... I thought I saw a plan early on in his time here, and, and they seem to have something going. And again, is it, is it have, they, have they lost something or somebody or some people, or is there a recruitment being askew? What do you reckon is going on there? Uh, no, I think the same pretty much. I think they got it wrong with a couple of transfers, which were quite costly for them, to be fair. And, you know, they're not at that level where they can afford to 
get 15 and 20 million pound transfers wrong and they did a couple of times it has to be said and maybe that takes a couple of years for them to maybe make that money back they've dipped down into the championship quite a few times obviously people like Adam Armstrong for example they've tried to do a couple of deals from overseas like Lianco who we'll talk about tonight as the game goes on I think so some of them okay um, but you look back a few years um, what, Guido Carrillo for example Mario Lamina Wesley Hoot, who came from Lazio, I mean, they spent like between 15 and 25 million on all these players. None of them really had a massive impact. And when you lose someone like Van Dijk, as they did that same season, and you spend fairly big money in the next 18 months and not too many of the players have a massive impact. I mean, even like Vestergaard, I mean, he was he was good for them, I would say. He, he proved that he was top half Premier League capable, I would say, but not amazing and he cost like 24 million, I think it was, something like that at the time. I mean, it's it's not superb recruitment, uh, considering what came beforehand. And I think that that's probably hampered them a bit in the, in the three or four years since then, to be honest. And like I said, there's a, there's a few who have come in now. Like I, I do quite like Ibrahim Diallo, for example. I think Saliso is a really, really good player. I liked him in Spain. And I think over the next two years, probably he's one who they'll look at uh, to build around. But... As I say, they, they lack real depth in central midfield. And I think they could do with a standout performer, let's say, in, in the supporting areas and up front, whether that's sign Brogia and give him like two years to become what he looks like he could be able to do. I'm not really sure. But like I say, they've, they've lost quite a few very, very important players for them, even like Hoiberg last year, uh, Danny Ings, obviously, last summer. These are big players to replace and haven't quite been able to, to replicate what they bring in from afar with that. Yeah, yeah, uh, they've never recovered from losing Graziano or Pele either, I suppose, if we're being honest. It's an interesting situation. Uh, it's one to keep an eye on because there are quite a few clubs in that boat. Jim, let's get stuck into the meat of the game. Um, before we do so, we'll just give a nod to the fact that today's referee is Martin Atkinson because there's no point in talking about shit, it. Next. Shit, we- shit, shit, <laughs> shit, shit, shit. <laughs> Oh, Should have been retired one and a half games early. That's far I, more a far more eloquent just, than I could have managed. I was just leaving the room and Martin Tyler, who had not had his most cheerful of nights, was saying, "Oh, and just a note for Martin Atkinson, who's who's retiring tonight, and he's been a wonderful official, hasn't he?" But I just I just kept walking out the room because I didn't want to hear what Jamie Carragher would respond to that, like you know whether he was going to be diplomatic I started laughing I wasn't really sure yeah he went he went slightly diplomatic said yeah he's a very good ref uh, I was just wondering was it his age and and then and, and Tyler informed him because Tyler would know because he's obviously tight with the lads that no no it was just that uh, he, he had taken the decision and you know uh, it, it, incredible again we saw a fella who can't see what's going on in front of them, um, and um, that's going to that's going to become a feature immediately, Jim. Because I'll be honest with you, I, <laughs> in a very unprofessional way, uh, I made a complete balls of the start of the game because uh, listeners will know that I famously cannot stand listening to the shit talk on whatever channel is covering the match because it's usually just absolute guff. And I can't be doing with it. And it just does, it does my head in. 
So I like to turn on, I like to get turn on the television. If I turn on the television, just as we're getting the last little bit of you never walk alone, just before the whistle goes, I've done it exactly right. Uh, and I do most of the time, I time it exactly right. I obviously got kickoff time wrong today, didn't I? And fucking hell, I missed eight minutes of the game at the start. It doesn't feel to me like I missed a whole lot. You can fill me in. Um, the first thing I noticed was on nine minutes when Broca got a decent cross in. He was up against Joel. Ali smothered it pretty well. Uh, and then before you know it, Jim, we're a goal down because Diogo Jota was fouled right in front of... Uh, Martin Atkinson by Lianco. Um and it wasn't like one of those oh it's a 50-50 um, to hear Martin Tyler later on call it an alleged foul to oh. hear to hear Jamie Carragher go on about how it was ah, I'm not sure if there's much you know blah 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 it's 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 ridiculous and Jurgen was rightly furious but Atkinson played on as he did several times during the game after assaults they broke down the left. I think it might have been three passes uh, and isolated Redmond out there. He cut in and he got himself central and he took a shot. And Ali has it covered. There is no doubt about that because you just look at Ali's position. But it takes a nick off Jimmy Miller's tie and goes above the reach of Allison and into the roof of the net. Uh, Carragher was eulogizing about the wonder strike that it was even though every one of us could see there was a, a deflection um and then eventually he kind of says yeah it might have taken a slight nick there did it yeah did it do you think it took the exact nick required to get past the best fucking keeper in the world i think it did anyway at that point i'm going to pause it because i want you to say if there was anything i missed in those opening minutes and just give me your feelings regarding the concession of that goal because let's be honest we're not going to be talking about too much more by way of southampton attacks in the first half no and i think i think maybe maybe um, one thing you missed probably just before you switched on it would have been was canate getting a smack in the face i don't think there was anything necessarily malicious in it i mean if there was martin atkinson wouldn't have seen it anyway and he he was down with quite a bit being treated in in some way but he looks okay and i think he's still got all his teeth so it wasn't kind of you know it wasn't a sort of knobby styles look for him now or whatever he, he looks okay yeah and, and he was just worrying for a moment though because you see him on the floor and you think oh my god you know we've already lost virgil we don't know how bad virgil is we hope he's okay and he's just sort of being rested and we're just being cautious with him but we don't know what for sure do we and what you don't want is you don't want him to be missing because we want the two centre backs we've got tonight to be available if Virgil isn't available. But as it was, it got up, and I don't think for the rest of the game that you saw, you would have even known he'd had a knock because he didn't look like it, did he? So that was that, that's you know that, that's a good sign. And I think yeah, the goal it was just I mean that's that's the standout bit from the first part of that game. And I think and I think what's interesting is yeah, it was a foul. Yeah, the referee was was pathetic and missing it yeah the VAR probably did see it because they've got enough angles and replays to be able to do so but they wouldn't want to sort of say anything would they because they might make the mate look bad and he's and he's retiring soon you know you don't want to make him go out on such a bad note so in other words they just let it stand and it's just part of how you know and it's not biased against Liverpool it's not biased for Liverpool it's just pathetic the officiating there's just there are just too many of these incidents but because there are too many and this is the thing I love about Liverpool is we know it's going to happen we know there's going to be those times when when you're going to get something bad happen and we respond 
we and we and really that was an unlucky goal. If um, I mean Thomas Tuchel at the weekend must have been thinking of all the superstitions you could think of. By I'll take a I'll take a guy off, bring another one on. We'll bring him on for penalties. We'll take a sub off for a sub. We'll wear yellow. You know all these superstitions that he tried and all failed. I mean if if he'd been Liverpool's manager tonight, he'd have been wondering what the hell he'd done. Whether he'd run over a black cat because it wasn't just the, the foul that was missed. It was that deflection. It, and you know what? I mean, saying was there a deflection? You could hear the deflection. You know, you just get, you get like it wasn't like bang. It's in the back of the net. It's like bang, bang. It's yeah. in the back of the net. It 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 was an obvious deflection. And I think in the past it would have been Liverpool size that would have just been gutted by that. You know, bad referee, bad referee in, unlucky with the deflection. Oh, so so much riding on the game. Heads down, end up coming away with nothing. But not this side. This side doesn't do that. It just doesn't do feeling beaten it keeps going to the end and you know and I think um I think what we'd seen in that opening in, in that opening session was maybe it's just getting into the game and much changed sides you know each other from training just getting to know who each other is almost getting to know each other again properly but you know what I think at that moment in time I didn't feel worried at all and I just mm. felt you know it's early on in this game we we've got loads of time to get back into this we just need to sort ourselves out and and in a way, it kind of served as a bit of a wake-up call that you know we've got to, we've got to go and do stuff at the other end, and in a lot of ways, maybe it helps us because they didn't look ambitious after that for a long time. Yeah, that's an that's an interesting take uh, uh, because certainly, regardless of of, of uh, their ambition or our excellence, the two things seem to combine anyway. Because, like I said, there was very little from them in the remainder of this half. And I'll talk to you, Jim, about the second half of that first half and some more Martin Tyler excellence as well uh, in a minute. But Carl, me and you'll take a run up to the goal, and in 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 to give to give the the uh, to show the veracity of what Jim is saying. The attitude of the players was fantastic. Uh, Sixteen minutes, we had a fantastic move. Uh, nearly got shot in, led to a corner. Nothing from that. Um, Several of our lads getting pushed over. Martin Atkinson can't see anything, but Bobby has it in the net on 18. Now he is off and he's clearly off. But again, the intent is there and we've rattled him with a goal. Uh, 19 minutes, another good move ended with a sort of a token tacky Minamino effort. Um, It was all us from the goal being conceded. And then on 26, it is Minamino who puts us level. Now, Joe Gomez had driven a low ball into the box. Jota controlled it well. Seemed to be with tie or shin, but it was he killed the ball beautifully. Laid it off to uh, Taki, who's coming in from the right towards the right-hand post. He takes a step, sort of bringing the ball away towards the uh, to, uh, to the left of the post a little bit. I think he takes two touches and then absolutely drives a cracking high finish in at the near post. And there's no danger of anything going to VAR or being disallowed or any of that nonsense. It was a goal you could give a full-throated celebration to, like I had with Bobby's, sadly for me. But that one was one to enjoy. And absolutely what was deserved after we had knocked on the door, as people say, uh, quite consistently from the moment of concession. Yeah, definitely. So I, I think, to be honest, before we'd scored, I was pretty confident that there was a goal coming in that first half for us. Like I said, you could just see the way that we were moving the ball about just looked like everybody was on the pitch who was supposed to be, you know, and that kind of thing, that kind of 
progression of play moving through the thirds everybody in the right positions out of um, possession as well so that when they do clear across or make a challenge or whatever we just get it back straight away and it happened over and over again in that first half and I, I saw a few people and I'm might as well bring it up now to be honest saying like Curtis Jones didn't have a good first half and a few other people as well this is rubbish right Curtis Jones is seems to be getting put into this Gina Wijnaldum um, mystery tour where you think he's had a rubbish game all the time if he doesn't do too much spectacular stuff but all of that midfield recovery work where we have that net outside of their penalty box and they cannot break through it for like 12 minutes at a time. That's him and Matip and Kanate and whoever's playing in that six zone Milner today. All of them really, really on it. Winning the ball back straight away. Two yard pass, move the ball, receive it again in space over and over and over again. And he did this nonstop in that period where we got back on top. Um, Elliot as well, some really nice combination plays. I thought Firmino was back to fun Bobby today. He was like a completely different player to the guy who came on in the FA Cup final with his first touch and uh, mm. his link play and everything. Um, I, I Actually, before our goal, I just want to mention as well their goal, not to put any blame on James Milner, but just as an interesting aside. Most of this season, and I assume it is a an instructed thing, when people are shooting from outside the box, against us the center backs kind of don't try and block them they stand off it a little bit or they you know just stand still and put their hands behind the backs and don't make any attempt to make a block and i assume it's for that exact reason of what happened today because it's more likely that unless they've hit an absolute worldy like uh lautaro martinez or mateo kovacic did and it finds right in the top corner allison's saving it because he's that good and the only real reason he wouldn't be able to you know, stop the track of the ball from that distance is if it takes a big deflection. And obviously Milner trying to cover across has done that today. So it's one to watch more than a, you know, this is what happened kind of thing. But I, I think it's fairly evident that that's uh, an intended thing from the from the team from a defensive standpoint this year. For our equaliser, I didn't think Gomez was as good going forward today as he has been in recent matches at right back. But that ball that he played into Jota was beautiful, like really, really nicely clipped, nice and early. Good pace on the ball, but not just hit and hope sort of thing. It was a proper pass. Uh, Jota as well, not good recently at all, but his touch today was a bit better. His work rate was really good. His, his pressing outside the box, really, really good. And I'm glad Taki scored the goal because he's not really had much of a look in of late, has he? <sighs> No, and and it it just it says a lot about the character of that kid. I have to say, although there was this interesting situation towards the end where I think if the game had been going in a little bit of a different way, I wonder would he have stayed in the pitch as long? Because the one thing you would say about Taki Minamino is compared to almost everybody else that we have who plays in one of those attacking roles. He's probably not as aggressive in the tracking back and tackling. Yes, he can get there, but he is comparatively lightweight when you pull him up against someone like Sadio or Mo, who will actually seem to win their tackles an awful lot of the time and come away with the ball. And I thought Taki looked a little bit vulnerable there a couple of occasions towards the end of the uh, game. But that's a different thing for a different day. And what we'll do today is celebrate the fact that he took that so beautifully. And Jim... 
the second half of the second half uh, is kicked off by that goal by Taki. And then it's just all Liverpool. 29 minutes, there was a shot of volley that was blocked. And then uh, Jimmy Miller had a long-range half volley on the back of that, which got kind of scrambled away by the keeper. 29 minutes, some good play by Curtis Jones. I'd echo what Carl was saying, I think. He's one of those lads that sort of brings out the inner agenda in lads, I think. And uh, if he's not a world-class performance every time, it's like, what's he about? Um, but I, I thought he was quietly efficient. And he has a sort of a... Uh, what's the word? He's a sort of a... It's not... He's not all action in the way that people expect, I think, midfielders to be. It's a kind of a languid style. That's the word I was looking for. I think people sometimes can confuse that with lackadaisical attitude. But it's not. He just gets there just in time and gets his pass away just in time. I think that kind of sometimes confuses people. Anyway, he turned a few fellas uh, inside out and slammed one well wide of the near post in 29 minutes, um, 31 minutes. We had a couple of corners back to back and Harvey on 33 minutes whips in across Bobby helped it on and it looked like it was going uh, sort of goalward but was cleared away from about a yard out for another corner uh, 36 minutes Jimmy Miller won the ball um, really well Bobby was presented with an opportunity and shot just over from distance and then we had Joe Gomez going down in pain on 45 minutes. Now further, <laughs> bad news, Piercy is after saying that that um, that uh, Joey Gomez left on crutches in a boot after the quotes I read from uh, Klopp early on. But maybe that's just sort of standard procedure. He, for... Whose boot did he leave in? That's not very nice. Had to go home. So who knows? Maybe that's I, I, that could easily be standard procedure. Um, yeah. There's one more thing I want to mention here before I let you loose on your analysis of that second half, the second half. And that is if you could work in, and Carl, feel free to jump in later on on this if you do want to as well, because it's a very interesting thing. Sometimes we see occasionally, occasionally in the Discord, uh, people might have a moan like, oh, we, we didn't have that coverage. So talking about commentators doesn't really help or whatever. It's context. That's all it is. It's just context. And it's very interesting because it goes to the bigger narrative and it's being said on the biggest channels, which is what the ones that I'm watching on, because like an idiot, I have to pay for everything. Then it's going to be part of the narrative. And part of the narrative today that was revealed, it was like uh, one of those uh, secrets of the Illuminati, Jim, was uh, Martin Tyler said, you know, they were talking about Liverpool. Um, Pep Guardiola saying that Liverpool, everyone's uh, Liverpool was uh, everyone's favourite team. Well, I, I don't think that's true at all, Jamie. And Jamie's gone, no, and, uh, you know, we all well. He says, well, we we all wanted Leicester to win the title. That was the only time we can think that everyone in the country wanted someone to win the title. I, I didn't. <laughs> I I fucking didn't want Leicester to win the title. No. But then he gives it away. He says, we support the underdogs around here. By which I suppose he means him, or he. By which I suppose he means this is the party line that we have been fucking told to to go with, and it would explain Jim so much. It would explain why in a game where Liverpool have ninety seven percent of the ball, any typical match, they are absolutely gibbering with a glee and excitement if the opposition gets a corner oh Liverpool are up against it now type of shit and I can only assume that that's what's driving it now 
maybe people would say that that's good sense that you the the commentator should root for the underdog but i'm going to put forward a common a, a really controversial uh, proposal here jim and say that commentators just fucking commentate on the game in a neutral way what do you think of that as a potential suggestion do that yeah i mean you should do it i mean i mean first of all i'm always suspicious of anyone who's interested in football and says they're a neutral you you can't be into football and a neutral you can be a neutral in the context of say the premier league because you support northampton town or something like that fair enough um you can be a neutral in terms of a league that in a, in a country that isn't your sort of own country something like that maybe because you've always supported your, your team i get the idea that you know, you've got a team, maybe you've got a second team you have a soft spot for and things like that, but you cannot be neutral in football. However, I know commentators who, who, I mean, they, they make it in, make it the, the life's work, if anything, to never reveal who they support. I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've had at least one, I can think of a five live who's confided me into me who he supports. And he said quite clearly, you know, he didn't mind telling me, but he says he can't. He can't let it out that he supports that team, that that's the team he grew up supporting, because everyone would judge everything he said off that basis, you know, because that team might be playing another rival of another team and all the rest of it. But if you'd listen to this commentary, and I won't name him, but you wouldn't know he supported anyone because he just, he, the only way he's biased is in his love of the game and what's good about the game and the nice parts of the game and slagging off the bad bits of the game. And that's what commentators should be. I mean, it, look at Barry Davis in days gone by, listen to any old Liverpool commentaries of, of the, the magical nights Liverpool have had. And you hear commentators who, they're not delighted for Liverpool winning. They're delighted for Liverpool winning in a way that was such a nice way to win. They, you know, I can remember commentators saying things like, oh, I say, you know, it sounds a little bit like <laughs> BBC, doesn't it? But yeah, 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 genuine. Yeah. Oh my God, I've just seen an amazing bit of football. I've just seen an amazing bit of skill. I love. That's fine. I don't have an issue with that. And you shouldn't know which team it is that's done it. If you were just listening to that commentary, you know, and didn't know the players' names, you shouldn't know which team it was. But with Tyler, I've never heard someone sound that disappointed. It was like. I don't know, it's like you, your train's been late every day for the last three months and you thought today it was going to be on time. And it's like, you know, when, when the when the ball go, when it's sort of like, uh, Mina Mina, oh, it's gone in, it's 1-1. One, one. I'm missing my train again, it was cancelled. It's so, like, so <laughs> fucking gutted. Is that enough? It is. is it the end of his tether? Yes. It's, it's, it's sad. And, I mean, this week I've had a lot of stick on, on Twitter. Well, not a lot of stick, a little bit. But after Liverpool fans booed that shitty national anthem, which represents the shitty establishment that's been shitty to Liverpool, the city and the club for decade after decade. There's quite a lot of fuss about it. And the, and the, the breakfast TV and I, on ITV did a poll. Um, is it is it wrong or something? Is it OK to boo the national anthem? And yeah. it backfired on them. Because the last time I saw it, it was about 78% said yes, it was OK to boo the yeah. national anthem. Yeah, yeah. It was about, kind of, about 150,000 votes as well, from what I saw. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, it really backfired. I don't know whether they followed it up today on the TV, but I doubt it, because it wasn't quite what they wanted, I'm sure. But the thing is, that there's, there's a lot of people who jump out of the woodwork to have a go at Liverpool. There's a lot of them. But I don't, I don't feel that Pep's right to say, the whole country wants Liverpool to win. But I think a lot of people do because the genuine people, they enjoy seeing what we do. They like the fact we're happy and we go about it the right way. And I think there's a lot of people who don't want us to succeed because the sinister people who, who aren't nice people, they aren't people you'd want to get on with, you'd want to spend any time with. And, you know, they hate the fact that someone like Klopp, someone as nice as Klopp and the, and the players he's got, and the way we go about things, 
you know, someone who cares about other people, they, they hate the idea that he can succeed. I don't know quite where Martin Tyler fits into that, but I think he enjoys the fact that he can sort of ride along that wave of being the sort of everybody hates Liverpool thing because I think all Man United fans do. That's fair enough. It's some sort of mutual feeling. And maybe yeah, that's proper order. Was, they should do. Yeah, they should. Yeah, yeah no, they should it's, do. It's just. It's just, I mean, I mean, and again, I mean, I, I know everyone who, on on Discord and elsewhere says, you know, we shouldn't talk about the commentators so much. But when, you know, when we're paying good money for subscriptions and this is what we're being served up, it's, you know, alongside the gambling ads and all the rest of it, we shouldn't be listening to Tyler talking like that. There are much better people out there that you, you can commentate on games. And if, if you, you know, if the, the bar is so low, there must be better people out there now. Um, as it was, yeah, that second half. Let's get back onto it. The goal was was great, as you as you've already mentioned, and it was just seeing that. If anything, what Liverpool did wrong in the rest of that half was we had the ball quite a bit, and then at the end of a move, one of us would have a bit of a an ambitious shot. But I've actually not got a massive problem with that. That could be something you can get criticised for. But you know what? If you have one of those ambitious shots, the, the keeper spills it. Sometimes it deflects off someone as we were on the wrong end of tonight. And you can get goals from that. You know, we, we just kept on trying. And and I think as a side, we know and we knew tonight that even if we do have those long range shots that don't quite come off, we're going to be getting that ball back in the, in the next 60 seconds anyway. And we can have another go. It was... Um, you know, and exactly. I think he just wasn't working out. And so, of course, as you know, Klopp's going to be looking at it and thinking, right, we can change this and we can make it better. And, and he did. But the, the fact is that effort was there, that determination to keep winning that ball. And, you know, and again, you know, we can't say enough. This was our reserve team, which, you know, it's some reserves. But even so, it was a massively changed side. And the, 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 the fluency of the team got better as that half and the game went on. Carl, even before we, you and I start the events of the second half, I just do want to give you a take on that because, again, it just felt like a little bit of a peek behind the curtain where we got to see the Wizard of Oz um, pulling all the handles on the various machines because I think that was very, very, very interesting to hear that admission. Apart altogether, putting to one side the fact that, that, that Tyler always sounds as if somebody is literally just pissed in his chips when we score whatever what would what that would all tie back into is this concept that he revealed which is we support the underdogs around here now some people will see no problem with that but do you see where i'm going where i take offense to that because he especially the commentator whatever about the color commentators who's who who sky have chosen for their partisanship actually if we're if, if anything uh he is supposed to be the one who is neutral and celebrates everything equally and criticizes everything equally without bias. So I don't think it's too much for me to say that that's a really weird thing that he's owned up to there. Yeah, I'd probably say the same. I mean, I'd, I've said this before. I think that there's, I mean, Martin Tyler, I don't know. He used to be good. Let's be honest. He used to be good. And whether it's the fact that he's now a lot older and not a lot excites him anymore, or whether it's the fact that he's, you know, we, we expect more now because people watch more, have more access to different leagues and different games, and they understand the game a bit more probably than was the case 15, 20 years ago when Sky was, you know, the thing. Um, I, I don't really know. I, I don't enjoy listening to him is the thing. He's not, He's not entertaining. He doesn't make the match sound good. Like this was a goal. Minamino's goal was one which literally changed the scope or the the current state 
of the title race and it just sounded like he was saying there's a parking space over there which is empty and it's there's no <laughs> there's no addition to it i mean when you listen to people like um peter drury let's say who will tell you like a 30 second history of that part of the world to describe a goal and how momentous it is and bring the color and life to the occasion and everything else and just make it more of a an, an event and an exciting thing which it is whether you support Liverpool or not at that moment if you're watching for the fact of the Premier League title or the quadruple or just because you've got nothing else to do on a Tuesday night you want to be entertained that's what you're there for that's what you're watching it for otherwise you'd be off doing something else watching a film or a series or reading a book or whatever it is that you do you're watching the game because you want to be entertained and it is dismal listening to him it really is it's it's I try not to to pay attention to any of them too much during the match to be perfectly honest and you know personally i just mute it at half time and i mute it at full time and i'm straight on to doing the, the rest of the work that i've got to do and all the rest of it and I, I don't really want to hear what they have to say during the game i understand that it's a difficult job to do at times in terms of lots of stuff is going on but then when they keep repeating the thing that they said in the first place which is quite clearly wrong and while they're watching seven replays of what they're not seeing and they're still talking about it it's it doesn't annoy me to be perfectly honest that's uh, right. Rightly, it should too. Uh, just on on things that um, uh, you might be not getting a chance to see again, um, like Martin Atkinson refereeing. Kloppo has said about the the now iconic fist bumps to the crowd. Uh, it's an interesting thing. I think enjoy the shit out of it, lads, on Sunday because obviously we love it and enjoy it on the night of the Champions League final. Hopefully we'll be seeing it because he says, I can't do it all the time. This year is fine, but I hate it when the camera guys run around. I'm not a clown. I do it for the people next year. We'll talk about that. So I think we might be seeing the end of that particular tradition because we know it winds other teams right the fuck up. So fair play to Kloppo for doing it. It's something that I really massively enjoy, but I do get his point there. I can absolutely see where he's going with it. Uh, Carl, to start the second half with you, then we can fly through the events here because look, it's all us. It's all us. I'm going to bring you up as far as 64 minutes when Divo comes on for Harvey Elliott. Um, we start with the substitution of Jordan Henderson, who comes in for Joe Gomez. Uh, after 48 minutes, Simicus pulls it back to Jota. He controls it and shoots it just inches wide, um, pulling a shot from left to right. It's a really good attack, incisive stuff by Jota. I thought he looked a little bit brighter today than he has in recent times. Um, great pressure from us in this period at the start of the second half. Bobby Firmino particularly flying his uh, touch right back, as you had alluded to earlier on. One really funny moment where uh, Ibu had come up into attack and two Southampton lads just basically used him as a climbing frame right in front of Atkinson. Uh, but because he's the big lad... He gets nothing. It just literally wasn't even mentioned by commentators. Game went on. Atkinson didn't see anything fine. 55 minutes. Bobby played in Harvey Elliott. His shot was into the side ringing with his right foot uh, uh, on the right-hand side. Uh, 61 minutes. Bobby plays a lovely little push pass into Curtis Jones, who is coming in from left to right, finds himself central and curls wide of the right-hand post as we're looking at it. 
then there's another pullback from Simicus on 62. Jota this time is coming onto it again, opens his foot up in that way where fellas are coming onto a ball and they go to hit it with the inside of their foot and just help it on. But it, he opens his foot too much and it kind of goes well wide of the target. Uh, and then we saw uh, a few other bits and pieces, including a fantastic pass by Ali, his second in two, in two matches, uh, before uh, Bobby Firmino has an effort that goes pretty much straight at the keeper after some good play by Harvey Elliott. And it's his last contribution to the game. The young man, I thought it was a really good showing by him. Um, considering some of his previous little outings uh, hadn't been really up to scratch, I thought. Um, we saw him being brilliant. We saw him come back well. And then I thought his, his, the few performances he got after that like, drifted a little bit. Anyway, I thought he did very well today. And Divock Origi comes on in 64 minutes for him. Talk to me about that chunk of the match, if you would, Carl. I will. Number eights, both very, very good. I think I think that they were key to us um, not letting the game drift, basically, not letting the game get away from us. I know we didn't score in that period of the match, but we also, aside from, I think, about two and a half minutes, barely let them out of their uh, half of the pitch. We were fairly good for the most part in terms of keeping the tempo going. There are a few times when Jones and Henderson probably didn't shift it quickly enough, but overall, really good, I thought. Um, there was still lots and lots of movement. We were still getting uh, Simikas and Milner quite high up the pitch and able to to make a few combination passes. There were a couple of cut, cutbacks from the left-hand side, which were dangerous. And I think Jota had a, a couple of them, which one right after the restart, which almost went in, and another one which he should have done probably a bit better on. Um, but, you know, for the most part, very, very good. I thought the, the combinations between uh, Firmino and Elliot were very good at times in particular. And again, you have to point back to the fact that, like you say, Harry Elliott hasn't hardly played probably for the last, I'm not sure, maybe two and a half months, something like that. Firmino obviously missed a, a chunk of games with injury. We probably, depending on where you put Origi, we started off with our fourth, fifth and seventh forwards tonight. You know, that's that's a big thing to come away from a game where you can still dominate play because you're good in possession, but also you stop them getting out at all because you're very good out of possession. You know, Minamino, apart from his goal, probably didn't have loads of involvement in the attack and play tonight, but pressing in good areas, making them turn around, causing quite a few uh, turnovers from silly passes. All of to that happening probably about 11 times tonight, plus Canate stepping up to you know win headers and a few challenges about 15 yards outside their box. You just you can't play through that. All you can do is launch it upfield, where you give it straight back to us, uh, and then you you maybe move yourself five yards upfield or something like that. But it's really really difficult to get out. And even though these players are not the guaranteed starters, they did the job perfectly for all of that period of the match. Even if there were no golden chances of scoring or we didn't take the lead they did the job which keeps teams under pressure which keeps teams moving around which tires them out which makes it more likely later on in the game you will get chances that's actually spot on man uh couldn't agree with you more on that and jim uh, you and i get to start our little chat here which is going to take us right up to the end of the game i'll then go to you carl for your wrap-up thoughts and finish with Jim's. But Jim, we get to start with a goal. Um, it's a goal by Joel Matip, who, you know, has been 
pretty bloody fantastic this season on a consistent basis if we're being honest um we'll just talk a little bit about the goal because there's no point in talking about the rest of the half until then and then i'll see if there's anything else you want to ch- chat about with the rest of the half but let's talk about this goal as a corner which comes over it, it, it takes a nick off someone's head joel stoops uh sort of leaning forward uh gets his head to it it seemed initially as if it came off um, the Southampton player next to him as well, who I think was Walker Peters, but I could be wrong. Um, but the more replays I looked at, it, it looked like Joel got clean contact. But the contact that he got was interesting because the ball sort of looped into the uh, top of the net um, because he was a ways out when he headed it. And it seemed to enter the net quite slowly over the keeper over the keeper's reach um people i've seen here i'm just looking at it because i've been desperately trying to get a still of the goal itself uh, to use in something later on and i can't actually see one and people are as i'm scrolling through here twitter looking at people are talking about how it's a freak goal i'm like the dude stuck his head on a corner and aimed it at the goal. I mean, <laughs> like, okay, the, the uh, contact may not be the cleanest bullet header you want, but like, freak goal, it's not, Jim. It's, you know, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of things, but it's not that. You can't, you can't, you can't score unless you get the ball on target, can you? You know, it's not, you know, that, that ball has to get into that target and it doesn't matter whether it's a, a direct one, you know, a, a glancing one or a, or a looping one, if it's a headed goal, it's, it's a goal. And that's the thing. It, it went in. It's it's not easy sometimes, you know, trying to get those those headers from those corners and stuff like that. And you know, whether it was a fluke or whether it was played for, I I hope he goes around and says it's something that we've been working on on the training ground for the last couple of weeks. And you know, we were thinking of saving <laughs> yeah. it for the Champions League final, but I couldn't I couldn't hold it in any longer. We had to do it. <laughs> that would that would make that would that would make my day. But it is. I mean. I mean, the script was almost getting written, wasn't it? You know, we see Elliot go off. We see us go to, like, a front four rather than a front three, which we've used a few times recently against teams like this, where, or in games like this, if you like, where we're just not quite able to break them down. You know, it's like, well, what the hell? We'll, we'll sacrifice a midfielder and have four forwards and have, and have a go at you that way. You know, and the wing-backs maybe go a little bit... I say wing-backs. The full-backs go a little bit deeper, maybe, and, and, and still get forward, but, you know, maybe they've got a bit more of a, a deeper starting position, if you like. And... It's worked, except that, you know, on, on this occasion, the script was almost right. Here comes Big Divock. He's probably going to be leaving us soon. He's been, he's written in, he's already, his name's already there in Anfield folklore now. He'll never be forgotten. I mean, he's not obviously played that many games, but my God, what a contribution he's made over the last few years. And they felt like the script was he's going to come on now and win the game. But no, there's another man, there's another unlikely hero, isn't there? And that's Joel Matic. This season has been absolutely brilliant for Joel, I think. When you think about, it, he was a player who could hardly put two games together. He, he was he was forever struggling with fitness. He he'd play a game that he wouldn't see him for weeks. He's playing game after game after game, and he's even getting into the goals. You know, it's been it's been quite some transformation, and I think I think it's been almost like um, a bonus buy for the, for the season because when you go when we bought Canate and that we probably thought here we go here's our long term partner for Virgil, but. You know, but by Matic being so well, playing so well, being so fit and being so on it, we've been able to get Canate sort of eased into his new life. And it's made, I I believe it's made Canate a better player because he's not been rushed into things. He's not been put under pressure. He's not felt like he is the number two centre-back and it's all on him. It's just just 
it's you know, and it's a big thing what Matic's done this season for us as a team. I think you're right though. There wasn't there wasn't a lot else went on after that in the game because I think after that Liverpool kind of. I wouldn't say we stopped attacking, but they weren't to- overly ambitious until right near the end. And we we just sort of saw the game out almost. We sort of knew now we've got ahead. And although I know you said at the start you were nervous towards the end, I think that personally, I think that's more about our conditioning down the years of seeing us throw things away. I think we knew what we were doing. It was a, a little bit worrying, but when Ali's in the goal as well, if they do get a chance, it's usually snuffed out, isn't it? And... Yeah, you could be, you could be right there, man. It's it's just you're and again you're right because most of the remaining incidents after our goal, it's just we just maintain control over the game until that little period. They do bring on Romeo and Armstrong, and I don't know if that is an indicator of lads going for it or not. I think Tella and Diallo went off. Um, there was one excellent clearance by Simicas from a decent cross that they put in on 72 minutes, uh, which went out for a corner. They got nothing from it. Um, but I think that might be pretty much it in terms of their threat. Um, yellow card for Stevens on 73. Uh, they bring on Adams for Broca on 81. We bring on Naby the same time for Bobby. Uh, Divock got in versus Lianco. Um uh, on 84 minutes, he could be argued he was doing a bit of holding, possibly. He was definitely using his hand, but you know, it just looked like it was an easy one for Martin Tyler to blow up because Div was after getting away from Leanco, who cocked up completely and he was in on goal and he's going to finish it. Uh, 85 minutes, Curtis is still shooting at goal. He has a shot deflected over, led to a corner, and Ibu Kanate headed over that Simicus corner. Um, so we're still going for the game right to the end until 87 minutes. It was a carbon copy of that early Redmond opportunity. Um, again, he's free on the same side. Again, he cuts in. And again, this time the shot, uh, thankfully, uh, is at Ali like his initial one was. But there's no deflection. And Ali kind of pops off his chest a little bit. It's a good, there's a lot of uh, venom in the shot. Three minutes were added on. And that spell I'm talking about was just about more, Jim, about us either not clearing our lines with a good kind of old fashioned habit uh, uh, up to the, into the, into their half or finding touch deep in their half rugby style, or we didn't manage to just kind of keep ball. And, and that was, that was infuriating. You're right. Um, it, it harkens back to darker days when uh, we would cough up games and, and, and results and points and goals in those last minutes. Um, and we should have a little bit more faith. But it's just given the enormity of it, of course, you're going to feel a little bit antsy. Yeah. Uh, it, but, but, but you're right, man. There's nothing of note there at all, really. I mean, it, it, it was just a matter of that goal pretty much did kill the game because they didn't have any ambition bar that one uh, Redmond effort and that slight flurry of possession at the death. Yeah, and I think I'd be frustrated as a Southampton fan. When I mean, they did sound frustrated as well, though Southampton fans tonight. You know, you could you could hear the anger and even the the anxieties the game went on from their fans. Um, it, it it'd be frustrating to me because you can see what they maybe are capable of. It they, they are capable of being more adventurous and maybe getting something out of a game and. The trouble is to, to only do it for sort of five minutes when you're pretty much already beaten. Five or ten minutes when you're pretty much already beaten is what what would really frustrate me if I was a Southampton fan because, you know, why not 
have a go. I mean, I, I just don't understand that. I get it that, you know, you're worried about letting things in at the back, but have a go because you yeah. don't know what will happen if you just have a go and you can still be relatively cautious. Um, in fact, if anything, what, what I think the anxiety in some ways was also increased slightly because we couldn't really hoof the ball out from the back because nobody was up there waiting for it. We kind of had all, all 11 were back defending for, for that spell. But, you know, it, it was a fight. We we are fighting to stay in this title race and we and we fought and we won our place, if you like, to still be in that title race. We're still second. We're still, you know, we, we, we can't do it all on our own. We need some help from an old lad who played for us, if you like. But we're in there. We're breathing down the nets. We're making it difficult. We're making it exciting. And we're making Martin Tyler go to Manchester on the last day of this season, which is probably what's pissing him off. He probably can't be asked going up there and seeing his team's rivals um, being involved in the title race like that. He probably fancied Arsenal Everton at, at, at the Emirates. Yeah, yeah no doubt. I'll be, I'll be back to you to get your wrap-up thoughts in a minute, Jim, to finish the show. And Carl, I'll do exactly that with you now. I mean, you know, uh, as Jim says, um, all we can do is, uh, all we could do is win this game and keep it alive. And uh, the way in which it was done, the crowd of players who did it, uh, the conditions in which the result was achieved. That's all very heartening stuff. And uh, it does, as we said, right at the top of the show, you and I really uh, stand to their credit. Um, There's probably not a huge amount uh, to dredge up from the match itself, given the amount of changes that we can take as relevant going into the last game of the season um, against Wolves or the Champions League final itself, because there's going to be so much uh, riding on um, recuperation and recovery of our various big name players. The only thing I would ask you to touch on, if you would, is um, do you see a situation where um, there might be a little bit of a risk taken with someone who mightn't be quite there yet in terms of fitness because of the fucking enormity of it, um, Carl? Because again, on the day, all we can do is win our game. And should we win our game and the thing go the other way, there's a chance to win a league. You don't. You don't muck about with that, Carl, so you you got to go for it. So if you want my factor, just that little uh, uh, query into your uh, wrap-up thoughts and do finish then with anywhere you'd like to point people for content during the week. Okay, so I think for the final game of the season, if if we're talking about basically there are three players out there, Fabinho, Van Dijk and Salah, um, if they're fit and fine, I would expect... Van Dijk and Salah to be in the team because at the very least you want them to have a, a bit of a run out before Champions League final obviously and we have a week to prepare for that afterwards I wouldn't expect Fabinho to start even if he is fit at the very least um, sorry at the very most coming off the bench and maybe a bit of an appearance there and for the other two if they are almost there I don't think that they would be any more than in the squad I mean Van Dijk in particular rhythm and all the rest of it is not going to be a problem for him. He's played over four and a half thousand minutes this season. You know, the guy can have 10 days off and still come back and play well afterwards. That's that's OK for him. And Salah's not all that far behind. Um, obviously, hasn't been in great form recently for on an individual level. So I would imagine there'll be an intention to get him some game time before the final, if it's possible. But I know there's a title on the line, but I wouldn't risk them because one game is in our hands and one game or at least one uh, title is not in our hands. So I think we should by now have enough confidence in the players who played tonight or who've played previously to to do a job against Wolves if needs be. And 
you know, on home soil and with the crowd will obviously be keeping the players up to date whenever Aston Villa put their fourth one in the back of the net before half time or whatever. So they'll know and the players will rise to the occasion. You know, if it's Jota or Diaz or whoever it is, Mane playing instead of Salah, they're good enough. And if it's Kanate and Matip again, they're good enough. Like if those two start the Champions League final, that's a really, really good pairing. I don't expect them to. Hopefully we, they won't because Van Dijk's even better, but they are still really, really top class. You you wouldn't worry about them. So I don't think that we gamble on anybody's fitness for the final day of the season at all. Uh, but at the same time, judging by how it's been spoken about so far, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Van Dijk and uh, Salah at the very least get a decent run out off the bench. For the rest of them, I think just the notable things to pick out from like the end of the match, you, you mentioned like there was a little bit of nerves, a little bit of crossing and stuff like that. But they only they only had one shot and that was that Redmond one. And the XG of that was 2%. It was not a good quality chance. It was not a likely equaliser for them or anything of the sort. And although the clearances weren't great and we didn't have anyone to, to hit and relieve the pressure a bit, the positional work was good. Like we were first to every single one of the headers for the set pieces that they put in. We had people in the way to, to block it and turn them away when they were trying to bring it down in, on the edge of the box. It was just pretty good all in general. And even stopping the crosses for the most part, I think Milner gave himself cramp or at the very least pretend cramp in the 90th minute by blocking one attempt to cross, <laughs> for example. So like we did the job, basically. We, we we got over the line and we did enough to, to be quite happy with that performance all over. Uh, just a couple of players to pick up as well. Kanate, uh, Jim was talking about not being the number two um you know by 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 his title as such and getting the chance to ease his way in obviously in europe he's had a really really good run as well and he's actually in the top 11 now of liverpool squad by minutes played which i think is sort of testament to his performance level but also exactly what jim has said there that the way he's been sort of allowed to grow in his uh, in his performance level and in his role and be comfortable and produce the the level that he's capable of obviously and he's playing a lot of minutes now to to be in our most regularly played 11 is quite a big thing it's a, it's a little bit down to obviously the midfield uh, rotations that we've had as well but still he's in there so that's good um i i have got one more minutes thing to bring up i'll just save it for a moment uh end of season writing wise i've got a, a piece on the nd for it's a very very long Premier League season review, uh, taking into account everything on and off pitch, which um, is maybe worthwhile reading for some people if they you know, like to see what's been going on outside of Liverpool as well. Uh, I will have some European roundup stuff ahead of the weekend as well for the seasons that have finished and or are finishing this weekend. And obviously I will be on Scouted before Wolves and then next week for the Champions League final. We should be doing quite a few big bits of build up because Dave's back off holiday. Um so that final stat, because you wanted to bring him up earlier, and I'm going to say it now, Curtis Jones playing tonight, obviously getting the full 90. He has moved ahead in minutes played across all competitions this season of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who has been on 1,526 minutes for about what feels like six months now and hasn't played another minute since that cup game where he came off. Over to you. Wow. Gotta love that. Uh, I, have, I have a stat, Carl. You ready for this one? Go on. Joel Matip has scored as many Premier League goals this season as... Is it Jack Grealish? Jack Grealish. I thought you were going to say Everton for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just bloody fantastic, uh, oh, I have God. to say. 
that's one of those ones that just uh, resonated with me a little bit. And Jim, let me uh, get your wrap-up thoughts on, on tonight uh, and, and what's left of the season. And do also as well uh, let folks know if there's anything coming up from you again in the build-up to the final. I'd be amazed if you don't have at least a show or two coming out. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I think I actually I think the best way for me to sum up now is just this this uh, quote that I've seen from Jurgen Klopp. I think he was speaking to Sky after the game about it about this team, and there's so much of it that echoes what we've said tonight. He's saying it's I'll not read it all. It's unbelievable what they've done makes it even more special. What can I say about this group? Outstanding. And he talks about how it's a crime that Minamino and Harvey and Curtis don't get more games because they deliver. He said making nine changes in this performance is exceptional. And I think he's quite right in this. We would have had one. We would have had much more problems today if we'd played the guys who played 120 minutes at the weekend. So many good things. I asked for a lot. I saw them enjoying the game and playing football. We conceded a goal out of nothing. It looked like a foul. I'm really proud of the boys. Since January, we only drew three times. We had corona outbreaks. I've never had a group like this. They push each other constantly. Tonight is really special. It worked out because of the boys. I mean, for Klopp to say all that, I mean, it does echo a lot of our thoughts, but it tells you that, you know, even he is taken aback at what he's got in front of him about this This team is produced. And this is technically the second string and it just it says so much so you know i keep saying this enjoy what what, what you're seeing now you never know how, how long it's going to last it feels like it's going to last a long time but it doesn't matter just enjoy every minute of it and you're right we've got to do something jay and i are going to get together soon and do another show we've got so much to talk about i'm looking forward to um having a ch- catch up with jay as well for his thoughts on the national anthem and stuff like that you know we can maybe explain a little bit of that to people who aren't fully aware of why why that song doesn't get sung along to by Liverpool fans, not just because it's a shit tune and we've cracked the words, there's more to it than that. So we'll try and do that. And yeah, I mean, I'm just, it's, it's been an amazing season. And I think maybe we're all feeling the same on this show now. We, we feel like we, we're getting to that line out. We were using everything we've got to get there. We're running on adrenaline and it's just great to see. I'm, I'm really loving it. A couple of games left. My God, what, what games they could be. 100%. It's uh, beyond actually uh, ex- explaining in words at this point because uh, there is still the possibility of everything. Uh, and that is beyond exciting. I, I, I don't I don't know what to say about it at this stage. I'm, I'm not usually one who's lost for words, but this is just, it kind of, it's a little bit overwhelming uh, as you look forward to uh, the game that we have left in the Premier League and uh, the, 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 the possibility of, of glory there and the game that we have against Real Madrid and the possibility of glory there. Uh, long may this season roll on and long may be, maybe we be reading quotes uh, of, of great praise from Clapo about his victorious Reds because that's exactly what we want to be doing. The lads will have lots of content, uh, both Jim and Carl. They've mentioned the various things you can go and look at. I heartily recommend you do. Uh, both men are capable of keeping your attention, uh, regardless of the medium that they're taking part in. Uh, that was Jim Boardman. That was Carl Matchett. I've been Trev Downey. Raw will be back with you again twice more this season. It's still all there, lads. It's still all there, the possibility of being the four trophy Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, 
where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.